Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Conversation, where we continue to destigmatize conversations around cannabis through the eyes of the sports world. To set the record straight, and we hope, have a little fun along the way. I'm your host, Dave Griggs, former CNN, NBC Sports, and Fox News anchor, and a host at Turner Sports. Joined by my co-host on this adventure, Amani Toomer, the Giants' all-time leading receiver. We've had three Hall of Famers on this program today, and tonight makes it four. As Ricky Williams, the college football Hall of Famer, is with us, he won a Heisman Trophy at Texas. He rushed for 10,000 yards in a stellar NFL career with the Dolphins and the Saints, a career arguably cut short by marijuana. He has since become the most interesting man in cannabis. He's an astrologist. He's a podcaster. He's the owner of Heisman. That is H-I-G-H-S-M-A-N, not like the trophy. Toom, good to see you. Ricky, great to have you. Start us off with your cannabis story. Oh, it's it's an interesting story. And, you know, it's funny, depending on the age, like most things, but depending on the age of people, when you talk to them about cannabis, it's different because there's there's the personal relationship you have with this plant. But then there's everything else, everything else that, that goes on a, a around it. And so, and especially for me, so <laughs> to separate the two, you know, the experience of being a, a, a persona in the cannabis space, starting, you know, back in 2004, before it was, it was popular, has been an adventure all, you know, in and of itself. But the, my favorite thing about it is before, before all of this happened, okay, I'd be out somewhere, somebody would see me and they come up to me and they want a picture, an autograph, and we're talking football, okay? Po Post-retirement, people come up to me, okay, yes, we might talk football, but usually, you know, you want to go back to the car or I got something for you. But I'm joking, but seriously, though, the depth of the conversation and what we talked about became so much more interesting. And even me as a human being, I became so much more I became so much more interesting through that process. And, and even I'd say the same thing about my relationship with the plant is again, because of the other, the outside stuff, when I first started smoking, it was kind of because I was living in Southern California and I was a big Bob Marley fan. And so my friends just assumed that I smoked already, but I, I didn't. And so I remember smoking my first time went to Ben Kotnick, went to Ben Kotnick's house at lunch, pulled out this big old bong. And then, you know, I was trying to play cool, but like, everyone else coughed my lungs out. And after lunch, I had physics. And I remember sitting in physics class thinking, I don't understand why people do this. You know, I'm sitting <laughs> in class and I, don't, and I don't get it, okay? And then go to college and my, my roommate in college, another running back, he, he's a big smoker. And so he'd have guys over his, his dorm room on Fridays. And I, again, I was young trying to fit in. So I would hit it a couple of times. And I started to notice, yeah, I feel more loose and I have fun with the guys. But it wasn't until my senior year um, had a couple rough games, had a bad breakup with my girlfriend. And my friend was just like, you need to chill. Cause I, I wasn't sleeping. I was obsessing. And I remember I took a couple of hits and that was the first night I slept through the night and I actually got perspective. I started looking at things differently. And that was really the first time that I had that kind of experience about, okay, I, I get it. I get it now. And then as really? I, as I, hold on, I'm almost done. As I kept going through life, it just kept building on that. And, and as my life started to unfold and I, and I started to take my spiritual life more serious, um, I started to get it. And I started to make more connections. And, uh, and it's become a big part of what I, I think I'm here on this earth to do. It's not directly related to cannabis, but opening people's minds. 
I believe you left out a key detail, and I don't mean I to interrupt you, that. but I think it was a girl that started your relationship with cannabis, and I believe it was a particular Texas quarterback. Yeah, major, major and junior. <laughs> yeah. That, so you know, fill us in on that part of the story. Well, I'm not going to get into the details, because last time I was chanting... <laughs> Jen and Sharp got me talking about the details. I got a nasty, nasty LinkedIn message from Julie. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into the details, but, but I just will say, you know, anyone who's, who's ever like been in a relationship, right? Like where they actually love somebody and then things don't go well, right? Regardless of the details, it just doesn't feel good. You just feel like your heart is like out. You can't think straight. You're just a wreck, right? And, <laughs> And then imagine, you know, I was running for the Heisman Trophy. So externally, everything was great. But internally, I had, you know, the guy that was turning around, handing me the ball was like sleeping next to my girlfriend for the past two years. And, I, <laughs> and on a daily basis, oh, I, you know, I have a reputation for being the cool, calm and collected guy. But that, that took it. That took all, it took it a lot for me to get through that season. That was Major Applewhite? Yes. Damn. I, what? <laughs> Well, if you look, if you if you Google him, you'll see his wife. You'll see Major and Julie Applewhite. It's, it's oh wait, he married her. Or wait, wait. Yeah, wait. He, they're they're married still. Oh, my mind is blown now. Okay, wow. I didn't hear the end of that story. Yeah, it comes it comes full circle, full circle. Wait, so you're the first year you really started getting into cannabis was the year you won the Heisman Trophy? Yeah. It, you know, it's it's a it's a funny story, but it's actually true. And I think it really it really speaks to what cannabis can do. So we played we played Kansas State. I think I had like 13 carries for 42 yards. Um, and I again, this is the week I found out about Julian Major. And so I was thinking, OK, I'm out of the Heisman race and like this, this. I got to see this every day. And I got home and I just was beating myself up. And again, I smoked a little bit, went to Blockbuster because you know what Blockbuster was, went to Blockbuster <laughs> and I, I, I rented Blazing Saddles. Okay. I, I went home and I just laughed. I laughed it all out. Got some perspective, got a good night's sleep. Next two weeks, back to back 300 yard games. I was back in the Heisman race. I mean, Julie stayed with major, but at least the football stuff started to get better. <laughs> hey man, I like to unbelievable. <laughs> when people, I mean, in terms of what you're trying to do, if, if you're trying to dispel the uh, the stigma of cannabis. You could say, well, the first year, you know, I smoked it. I actually won the Heisman. So I mean, yeah. it can't be that bad. Stoners yes. aren't all that bad, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's, but you know, my favorite stoners are the ones that are that are ambitious in life. You know, because to me, what I at least for me, what I realized, you got to have that balance in life. You got to have that balance of a rich inner life, and you got to have that balance of the grit to go make something of it in the in the outer world. And I think depending on, on where you are, some people are too much in the inner. And I would tell those people, maybe you should slow down a little bit, you know? <laughs> and some people are too much on the outer. And I say, hey, you need to chill, right? We, but we, we, gotta find, we gotta find that balance. Did you ever smoke pregame? No, no, I smoked once. Once I smoked before practice. And this was, I was playing up in Canada and um, I, I, broke my, I broke my arm when I was up there. So I missed a bunch of time. And I was rehabbing and I was probably two weeks away from coming back to practice and it started raining and our practice facility was outside. So we had to drive like an hour to an indoor facility. And the guys that I rode with, those were the guys that smoked before practice. And so I was in the car, I was in the car and I was like, well, I'm not playing this week. And so I, I hit the blunt a couple of times 
And I'm telling you, I had the most fun at that practice. I mean, I wasn't playing, I wasn't playing, but I was recovering from an injury and I was playing scout team. I remember I was playing scout team tight end and I was killing those boys. You know, it, was, it was just because I, I just let go of all the tension and the fear about hurting myself. And I just allowed, allowed myself to be present. And I, I had a, a, a wonderful time. And for, but for me, cannabis use was more about recovery. It was about you go out and practice or the game and just life. You get beat up. And then that reflection time at night when you're just reviewing your day and looking at, okay, what would I like to do better? How can I look at this differently? You know, preparing myself to be able to get ready for bed, get back up and do it again. And to me, that, that, that was the key, that, that reflective time to learn to nurture and take care of my inner life, not just only focus on scoring touchdowns and, and, and football stuff. Now, Ricky, I, um, I had a friend of mine who played, uh, Jesse Palmer, who actually played up in Canada. And he said, you know, I, I, every NFL player has to re look at Canada and be like, you know, it uh, might be kind of fun. And he told me that it was the most fun he's ever had playing football since high school because it was just so relaxed and people were really playing it for the love of the game. Uh, what was your experience like compared yeah. to an NFL team? Yeah, it, it, was, it was like that. I mean, you know... We, they don't do everything like first class the way that NFL does it, but that's kind of what I loved about it. Like we, we fly, we flew, um, we flew commercial, <laughs> which was, you can imagine a football team flying commercial. You know, it was, it was, it was fun. And it, it felt so much like college because in, in Canada, they have to have a certain number of Canadian players and they have a certain allocation of American players. So most of the American players, we all hung out together. So it was, it was fun. And, and again, people were playing for the love of the game. So it, it just, I don't know. I, I really love the experience, but the football side of it, because there's three downs and it's really a faster, a faster moving game. It really helped evolve my game because so much of my game in the NFL is four yards in a cloud of dust, but up there, that doesn't work. You know, if you're getting four yards, they're throwing the ball, they're throwing the ball in second down. And so it really helped me open up my game to think to be more of a big play running back. So I'm curious about the impact of cannabis on your career, looking back on it. One, would you have won the Heisman without cannabis? Two, if it weren't for cannabis, would you be in the Hall of Fame? Ricky, I forgot how damn good you were in the NFL until Imani and I were talking earlier today and I'm watching highlights and I'm going, he went for 1,800 yards and 16 touchdowns. So I hate to get back to those same two questions. Would you have won the Heisman without it? Would you be in the Hall of Fame if it weren't for cannabis? Yeah, these are interesting questions. Um, who knows? But my, my best guess is, would I have won the Heisman? With, I don't think so. Because, and and I'm going to get deep on this one, okay? All right, gonna, let's do it. So, <laughs> so... So, you know, I feel, I feel like now, right. Launching this, launching this brand. And Cause it's, it's more than just a brand. It, it stands for, for being yourself and doing it your own way, believing in yourself. Okay. And, and so for me, I, I think what makes this significant that I'm launching this, this brand. Okay. Is that I, I had to have the kind of story that I, that I had, otherwise people are not going to take it so seriously. And again, to me, the, the irony of this is, one of the things I was most ashamed of ever, people finding out that I smoked, most, so, so afraid that when it became public, I thought my life was over. And then I, I, I leaned into it. I leaned into it. I said, I'm not going to let other people define me. You know, this is my relationship with cannabis. I'm going to explore it and see what happens. I don't, 
I don't have to go the same path that the coaches said I need to be a loser. I can tell a different story. And so now launching Heisman has nothing to do with the trophy. It really has to do about being, being your best self and realizing to be your best self, you have to trust your heart. You can't, you can't find the answers out there. And if you do things work out in the end. And I think we need more of these stories. Yeah. I, uh, you're talking about your brand Heisman. I got the, uh, the shirt and the hat. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'm be rocking it this week in, in, in Vegas, but tell us some of the struggles that you had. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm a young entrepreneur trying to get into cannabis game, just like you. Um, I think a lot of more, more of a people of color need to be in it because this is a great opportunity and we've, bared the brunt of a lot of the uh, criminal justice system being prosecuted for, for, for minor possessions, getting into the system and losing the opportunity to really be ingrained in this society. So what, what were some of the struggles that you had and, uh, and what are you most proud of about being in this business? Yeah, it's a great question because there, there's been a lot more struggles than there have been the positive things. Not that struggles aren't positive. And this is my personal experience. And, you know, for me growing up, I always considered myself more of an artist, not really a business person. You know, I always, I always, I never saw myself getting into getting into business. And so I just really leaned into the artistic side. Um, but when I realized that there's actually a cannabis industry, I started to become intrigued for the first time about taking an interest in a, in a business venture. And what I realized as I, you know, dipped my toe in the water is that I don't know, I don't know a lot. And so it's, it's been a really steep learning curve of learning how, like how to do business. And I, and I think so much, at least for me, being a football player is, yeah, we got paid a lot, but we were the labor, you know, we weren't, we weren't the decision makers, you know, in, in football, if you try to give the coach some feedback, like they look at you like, <laughs> shut up and dribble. No, but, but, but so, so, you know, really taking on, a different form of leadership, like leading with my ideas, leading with my leading with my mind, you know, that's been difficult. And then, you know, we learned football, but learning this business game, some of the rules are kind of the same, but they're also very different. And I think that, you know, the biggest challenge is, is like raising money, you know, because especially for us being on the, the side where everyone is always coming to us asking for money and our attitudes about it, you know, when you're trying to build a business and, and create something more and invite people in, a big part of it is going out to, to raise money and, you know, being confident enough in, in your idea, right? It's, it's one thing to be confident enough in your athletic ability when you've done it again, but doing something different and something new, being confident enough in yourself and then trying to inspire confidence in other people enough to support your vision. So, you know, um, and then you mentioned it earlier, like I'm now I'm the boss. So I'm the one that sets the schedule. I'm the one that's creating the game plan, right? I, that's, that's me now. And, and really embracing that, that maturity. Uh, tell me about the brand. I know I saw that there's pregame, halftime, postgame. Tell me a little bit more about the brand and where can I buy it? How can I smoke it? Yeah. <laughs> so again, it's a lifestyle brand and our, we're launching with merch. Got my Heisman sweater on. Uh, we're launching with merch and we're launching with eighths flower and we're launching in California. So at least for the next couple of months, you got to be in California, but soon we're going to be in Oregon and soon we're going to be in Nevada. And the idea is really to be one of the first national brands. And I, I think, I think we have a good shot at it because, you know, so much, and I mentioned this earlier, so much of the past has been separating cannabis and sports. And now we're at a time where we're, it's not even bringing them together because they, 
they've always been together. It's just been in the in the shadows. And yeah. I think bringing it out out in front. So instead of punishing these people we respect and honor who use cannabis, maybe we should start asking them, hey, I, I, I'm inspired by what you do. What are you using cannabis for? How do you use it? And I think these are more interesting, empowering conversations. Um, and and that's what it's about. And so with and we're, I'm doing cannabis my way. So this idea of cannabis, sativa, indica, you know, mixing cannabis and sports, we translated it to pregame. That's a sativa. Get, get your mind right. You know, halftime and I get through the day and then postgame when it's time to chill and relax. So I got to ask you, what is your what do you prefer to do it? Do you for the pregame? Do you for the halftime? Are you a sativa guy? Are you an indica guy? Are you a I'm hybrid? A pre, I'm a pregame. I'm a pregame guy. You know, but but it's it's funny. So you know, as as cannabis becomes more mainstream and more sophisticated, I think the value is we get to start having these kinds of conversations. Because what I notice is, you know, people, everyone's different, right? Everyone's different, and our moods are constantly changing. And so, with something like cannabis, which is is a mind altering substance. Okay. It's important to be aware of what your mind, your mindset is. So if I'm already anxious, you know, I have a big call or a pitch and I smoke a sativa, my mind starts going crazy. Okay. Then I might, I might, <laughs> might hit the, the halftime, right? Halftime, you're going crazy. You get to calm down, take a couple of deep breaths at halftime and get your mind right. Okay. But, but if my, if my mind is going crazy and, and I need to calm down, you know, I'm going to look for the post game and I need to relax a little bit, but my, my main go-to, is the pregame, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mental, I'm a Gemini. So I'm a mental, I'm a mental guy. And so I like to, I like to get the mind going and keep it moving and, and feeding that, that kind of creativity that, that sativas can. Amani's really, you know, we haven't, I don't think ever Ricky gotten him to smoke. I think he's, are you still strictly an edible guy, Amani? No, no. I, uh, I have some neighbors that definitely um, are, uh, are, are pushing me down the path a little bit. But like I'm, I I told like like I don't know if Ricky knows, but I'm very very late to the game. I first started smoking maybe three years ago, so it was. So what was that? What things. was that like? Well, it was one of the. It was a thing because like I'm, I got into the business and I started investing in a couple of companies, and then I figured it was coming to Jersey, so I wanted to get more involved. And then I'm thinking, you know, and then I did the research on why it was actually, you know, the the, the prohibition actually started. And I read about Harry Anslick, and I'm like. This is crazy. And then you read about all the stuff and you're like, wait a minute, like, this isn't that bad for you, really? And then, you know, I started taking CBD and CBD helped me so well with my, uh, with, with, with my injuries and stuff that I had. Then I was like, well, CBD is good. This got to be really good. So then I tried this <laughs> other stuff and it, it, it's been great, man. It's been, and I feel like I've been cheated. I feel like I've been lied to the majority of my life about this plant. And uh, getting into the business part is, is super exciting because we're getting it on the ba the ground floor or, or close thereof. And we have an opportunity to really put people of color in an industry that we've been kicked out of that, you know, all these other industries, you know, the, the prohibition that I had, my uncle used to, my, my grandfather, had, you know, was a, was a bootlegger. So, you know, he had a Packard, he would drive his car really fast, all that stuff. We don't have no NASCAR representation, you know what I mean? Like, it's, so it's one of these things where I feel like we need to, I need to get, I need to get into it. I'm not gonna be, and uh, so now I'm trying it and I still not very, I know about the edibles and I, I, I know about the, the vape pens, but it's still, I, there's a learning curve that I need to do in terms of learning what I actually like. 
because yeah. I have a, I, I just don't trust a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I need to get some, you need to send me some Heisman so I can get some quality <laughs> stuff. Yes, for, for sure. And, you know, next time you're out in California, we, you know, we got to get together and, and, and chop it up because I, I, I think to me that that's where the real value is, are, are these kinds of conver- these kinds of conversations that we we've been forbidden for, from having for such a long time. And a big part of what we're doing with the Heisman brand is creating a safe, a safe space for people to tell their stories. Well, I will tell you, Ricky, I, I am a former and a yet a current national news anchor. And a lot of people said, you better stop doing that show or you're going to lose your job. And I said, I'm going to take my chances and I haven't lost my job yet. So that tells you, I think the, exactly. the, the stigma is beginning to turn at least a little bit. I feel good about where we are in terms of the momentum. You mentioned that you're a Gemini and I have to ask about this astrology because I know nothing about it, but what really sent you down that road and like i'm a libra what does that mean should i invest in what that means and what are you amani what's your what's your sign? i'm a virgo tomb tomb is a virgo so should that tell us something about ourselves well here's the thing right you know to me and when i found astrology you know i was i was lost i was lost and i think whenever we have questions or we're looking for something we we tend to find it and so does it have value for you? Maybe not right now, but there's certain times in life where you feel kind of lost or confused. And then that's when astrology has the greatest, the greatest value because it, ge- it gives you perspective. You know, it's the idea of, you think of, of just, and it's quite natural, right? When things go wrong in our life, right? Typically we look up. <laughs> we look up for some kind of help or for some kind of guidance. And, and I was at a time where I needed help. I found astrology and it's, it didn't only help me find myself, but, but more importantly, it's, it's helped me. It's given me a tool to be able to help a lot of other people find themselves. And it's the, the basic idea. And I, I love talking about this. You know, a lot of people obviously know who Martin Luther King Jr. was, but a lot of people don't know what his true vision was. You know, and, and he said it. He said, it seems like there's, there's two sets of laws. There's God's laws and there's man's laws. And a big thing for MLK was to bring them closer together. And, you know, my modern day interpretation is we all have inner, inner, inner needs, inner wants, inner desires, and we have the external world that we have to deal with. And I think astrology is a great map or a great guide to help you take care of, of who you are on the inside so that you can better navigate and manage what's going on in the outer world. And, uh, and I'd, so, so as a Gemini, an example, okay? Um, when someone says they're a Gemini, they're, from an astrology perspective, we're saying when you were born, the sun was in the sign of Gemini. And signs are really related to seasons. So, so Gemini means the third, the third month of, of spring, Libra, the first month of fall, uh, Virgo, the last month of summer. Okay. And one thing's about, about Libra, just, just a point I, it's obvious right now, right? Just a couple of weeks ago, we, we entered Libra season. Okay. At least here in, in LA. Okay. The, started to cool down a little bit. Okay. Started to cool down by the, one of the most, peaceful, beautiful times of the year, right? That balance, that balance point. And so Libra, the scales is really about balance. And when I say the scales, Libra is about balance. I'm referring to priorities, right? Priorities. And so if I'm talking to a Libra, what I say is prioritize peace, prioritize peace. Okay. And, and on the flip side of that, what if we overly prioritize peace? Okay. Then we become superficial. All right. And so the thing about Libra, right? You're, you're here to master 
equanimity. Okay. So value finding the, the middle ground and the balance and live there, live there and life will be okay. Yeah, this okay. astrology go hand in hand, don't they too? I'm telling you, I'm telling you they do because, well, Virgo, a little bit about Virgo, okay? Virgo's a craftsperson, right? The whole idea of I'm talking to a Virgo, I, I, I sum it up like this, okay? Virgo, the virgin, purity, perfection, okay? The path towards perfection, right? So the Virgos have high ideals where I should be, but it's a humble sign. Where am I right now? Virgo's constantly aware of the gap between where I should be and where I am. So the whole Virgo story is how do you navigate that gap? Okay. The ones that do it well, the craftsperson, they find a craft, they find something that they love to work on on a daily basis. And it becomes the, the process, the process of getting better. That, that's the way for Virgos to live meaningful lives, regardless of what they're doing. If they're doing that, they're going to be fine. Wow. <laughs> that's very good. Cause it kind of describes me. I'm, I'm a guy who always has, always has, I'm always working on something. I'm always trying to free. always, and my brother always makes fun of me because he's like, ceaseless what are you doing effort. now? <laughs> ceaseless effort. That's, that's the yeah. key. Self-love and ceaseless effort. Balancing the two. That's the key for Virgo. Because when you're always aware of what's wrong, it, the, it, when it goes too far, we can beat up on ourselves. But right, we're not good enough. But when you realize it's not about being good enough, it's the process of getting better. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky, who's, who's, the most, who's the biggest name you've ever smoked with? Biggest name, I'd probably say in the cannabis space, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. What was that like? It was, it was, <laughs> it was tricky because, you know, for a large part of my career in the NFL, I was in the NFL's drug program, which meant I was being tested anywhere from four to nine times uh, a month. And so I had to be strategic. <laughs> I had to be strategic. So it was when the Super Bowl was, it was when the Super Bowl was in 2004, 2005. Super Bowl was in Houston and Willie yeah, was performing, yeah. performing at an event. And I went on, I went into his bus after the event and I was like, could be drug tested tomorrow, but this is a once in a lifetime experience. So I did it. And instead of being tested, I booked a, a flight to Australia so they couldn't test me. And so I, I, I made it and, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, again, because, you know, something about when you smoke with someone, it's like the, the walls drop and you can be more, be more real. And, and sitting on that bus, hearing Willie tell stories, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I thought you might say you've smoked with a current player. Have you? And how many current players do you think smoke? Because Calvin Johnson, Megatron, who I'm sure you know, he told me he thinks three-quarters of the league smokes. I think right now it, it might even be a little bit more. You know, it, it's, it's funny. So older players, my age and even, even younger. I was talking to Reggie Bush a couple of weeks ago. And it's, it's a common story that because we, we had so much on the line, a lot of guys weren't trying to, to risk getting in trouble. So people said, I'll just put it away until I'm done. And so many athletes, basketball players, football players, I meet, they're like, man, I feel like I was lied to. I wish I would have found this earlier. It could have, said, it could have helped me play longer and have a higher quality of a, of a career. And it's fascinating to me. And, and so you know, I think I think there's something to this. And I think part of it is the evolving way that, that players are thinking about taking care of themselves. You know, they're, they're thinking more holistically and realizing, especially when there's not so much punishment, that cannabis might be a more humane solution than NSAIDs and, and, and Vicodin. 
Speaking of Vicodin, I mean, I remember my rookie year is that really scared me off of Vicodin and all those things because, you know, I blew up my knee and I'm sitting there on the table. I, I know I've, I, I've told Dave this story before, and I just remember all these guys that wouldn't even talk to me because back in the day, they didn't talk to rookies. Like rookies weren't celebrated. They were like, you shut up, rookie, and we're not going to talk to you. And all, I'm sitting there, and guys that wouldn't talk to me for months, all of a sudden, after I blew up my knee, were asking me for Vicodin and asking me, <laughs> what are you going to do with those extra Vikes? And I'm like, what? As, and that, from then on, I was like, this is, I'm just going to have to grin and, grin and bear some of this stuff. And all the ibuprofen that they would give us, and, and so I, I really get upset, too, because, like, if I could have found cannabis back then, I probably could have saved my liver. I could have, could have saved, you know, I don't think I have any problems now, but who knows what's going to happen in the future. And did you ever have any uh, experience with, uh, with, with opioids and, and Vicodin not, also? You know, I had little experiences. And like you said, the big issue with opioids is when you have surgery because you kind of you need something at least for a week to take that to take the edge off. Mm. Um you know, but for me, it was more the, the ibuprofen, the, the NSAIDs. When I was in college, I had an ulcer from popping eight. Really? I was, taking, I was taking a bunch of Advil. Because, you know, when you go see the team doctor, regardless of what's going on, they, they tell you exactly the same thing. We'll talk to the coach about taking it easy and take these. You know, the, <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, that's, that's what they say. And it's funny. I, I was sitting in, in the training room one day, similar experience to yours. And I was just watching guys come in one by one, getting their Tordal shot. I was thinking, wow, if we're doing this on a daily basis just to practice, what is this going to do over a 10-year career? And I just, in my mind, I started reorienting myself to say, I need to try to just grin and bear it or find alternative ways to take, to take care of myself. Wow. For practice. practice. Was that a Texas? That was, a, that was in Miami. In Miami. But, you know, I get it. Like when you, you know, I, I try to tell people, especially when I first got into the league, that Indocin or the Toradol, when you take it the night before, when you remember to take it the night before, you feel like you're 15 years old on the football field. You feel great out there. But when you forget to take it, you feel like you're 85. So, there's, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get it. I get it. But we just need to, to create more, more options for players and taking care of themselves. Do you think the league will get there to the point that they're encouraging cannabis use? How far are we away from that? Yeah, I think we're a couple of years away. And I think the, well, it's been, it's really about the athletes speaking up more, you know? And, and I think as athletes speak up more, we, we see public opinion starting to respond. And right now, you know, I think in our country, over 60% of people favor legalization. So the, the tide in public opinion for most of the country is, has definitely shifted, you know? And I think the NFL has a choice to make. Are they going to wait until it shifts? Are they going to get ahead of this thing? And typically, my guess is, as they see more and more dollars come into the cannabis industry, it's probably gonna, it's probably gonna get their attention. Just like with gambling, they were anti-gambling, and they have now eagerly embraced it, and it's now an official partner. Don't we need somebody like Patty Mahomes to come out and say, "I smoke pot"? Because I, I'm not confirming that. But of course he does. Told. Of course he does. Of course, like to me, and I'm, I mean, maybe I'm being hyperbolic here, but in this day and age, why wouldn't you? Absolutely. So you agree. He, there are some high profile players in the league that spoke. How would that help if they came out and said that? I mean, of course it, it, would, it would help. It would help more than, than when I came out because when I came out, public opinion wasn't for it. But now there's so much public. And we saw it with the Shikari Richardson. I mean, I, that situation, right? 
you know, at a chance, probably good chance she would have won the gold. But because she failed the test, it, it didn't it didn't go down. And all the people that stood up and said, this is crazy. You know, like if athletes were willing to <laughs> if athletes are willing to take to take that on right now, it would it would pay them. It would pay off not just monetarily, but I think people would respect it more. And, and it's, it's the future. You know, I think it's it's going to definitely replace alcohol. I mean, if you see someone who drinks too much and you see someone who smokes too much, it's easy to it's eat. That, that's the great test right there. <laughs> you, you know, another great test. Another great test is when I talk to police officers and they always say, hey, when I'm I, the, a, a guy on cannabis has never hurt any of my officers, but alcoholics and people who are drunk who have done too much alcohol, they fight my officers and they hurt them. So they, most of the, the people that are, you know, perpetrate, that are enforcing these laws know the difference between the two uh, substances. Here's the crazy thing. The truth is for a, a, a lot of people, more than, than would claim, know the differences. And the issue is they pretend that they don't. You know, I think that if everyone that, that, that actually consumes cannabis actually told the truth about it, the stigma would disappear so fast. Yeah. I remember the first, the, the first um, dispensary I ever been to, because I was, you know, I, I went there and I'm like, well, what is this going to be like? And to see everybody coming together, it was like a grocery store. Everybody needs food. And there was so many different people coming in there. And I'm like, this is crazy. I, I did not, I honestly did not know how many people actually partook until you go out to go to a dispensary and just sit there and watch the different types of people go in. And it's, uh, it's really a, a point where, you know, all socioeconomic classes, all races, all religion, everybody's in there and with some representation. So it just, anything that can bring people together, I'm all for and, and, and to bring people together and to, you know, have a, a medicinal effect and help. I mean, it, it, to me, it's, it's a no brainer. And I just hope that you know, we can find a way to do our part and make this this thing mainstream and, and, and it will really help society, I feel. Yeah, it is it's so cool that we can have this conversation, that we that we can say these things and look at each other and take each other seriously. You know, and I, and I think that's that's the real measuring stick. You know, so just even a couple of years ago, people talking about positive effects of cannabis, people just would look at you sideways like, what are you talking about? I don't know. This, this is just great. I mean, it's, and I think bigger than, than the actual plan is what, is what you mentioned. There's certain times in life where we realize that we were lied to, you know, we were lied to and, it, and it's that one thing, but often it opens our minds to where else, where else have they lied to me? And I, exactly. I think that's, that's a valuable experience in life. Yeah. Um, I know you're about out of time, but the lies are still being told. What about the stigma bothers you most? Is it that, lazy ass guy in the cheetos is it the gateway drug what is the most harmful what bothers you the most to me there's the stigma there's the stigma on cannabis and, and that doesn't bother me to me the bigger stigma and i think it's cultural is the stigma against altered states of consciousness you know and as i as i went on my studies i studied a lot of indigenous healing systems and pretty much all of them across the board agreed in some sense that you don't you don't progress in life and you don't heal if you can't enter an altered state of consciousness you you, you can't and 
and so and I think that's something that we don't we don't talk we don't talk about right you know it's like shadow the the alcohol or the opioid problem in our country or the Prozac whatever everybody's on something okay and and we've demonized it for so long instead of asking what is the value of altered states of consciousness and how can we utilize them to increase the quality of our lives and I think that's the stigma that that bothers me is that there's nothing positive that comes from being high and I'm saying, even if you just think of it logically, what is the opposite of high? It's low. And if someone asks me, would you rather be high or low? I'm sorry. I'm saying high most of the time. And that's, <laughs> that's the other thing about, about Heisman is I'm trying to change the stigmas. And it was like this in the 70s. If you talk to people that are 60 and older about, about smoking, a lot of them have positive stories. Okay. And that's how it used to be. It used to be a term of endearment to say, wow, she's so stoned or psychedelic. That like, that used to be a positive thing, okay? And I'm, yes, I'm a born-again hippie, but I think we need a little bit of that. <laughs> you are indeed, man. All right, so the podcast is Curious Questions with Ricky Williams. Do you have any curious questions for us? We've asked them all of you. Curious questions. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I do, have, I do have a question because this is, this is something that, for, for the most part, all of us have to deal with as we enter into the cannabis space, okay? How, how, do you, how do you think about, how do you understand your old views about cannabis and reconcile them with what you're doing now? Okay, I'll go first because I thought about that in regard to you. I am a newscaster. I was a sportscaster before that, and I remember judging you on television. I remember saying that guy is throwing away his fucking career because of weed and thinking less of you. And so, and now here I am, I have the utmost respect for what you did, but even more so for what you're doing now. How I reconcile it is, man, I, I hit rock bottom, Ricky. I mean, I, I lost a job right before COVID. I was in a ball in a dark room crying, anxiety, I have back pain. And the one thing that, that I've always found in these last year and a half, two years, is that it's not necessarily about being high for me, but it is about taking out the lows and managing the lows. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy being high, but managing the lows is what's been so important uh, for me. I, I feel like a jackass though, that I was one of the guys judging you at, at the end of your football career, but I'm glad I've at least come full circle. Well, I mean, but even me, I was judging the, I was judging the stoners in, in high school. I mean, that's what I'm saying. We, we, because we were all, most of us were trained that this is bad. Part of the process is, is how do we reconcile the, the old view? And again, this is just a great exercise because the truth is in life, we think certain things and then we get new information. And if you want to be happy and, and keep growing, you got to learn to discard the old stuff and move towards the new stuff. How about you, Monty? How do you reconcile it? Well, I, um, I grew up in Berkeley, California, so most people smoke weed around me, and it was not a big deal. Um, I remember getting offered weed in the third grade, and I just didn't know what it was, so I said no. And it was just one of those things. Like, I just, I just didn't know what it was. And um, I, I never really judged people who smoked weed that much, you know? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of stoner stoners, but I just kind of said that's their thing, and and, and kept it like that. But um, I did, I was very curious about cannabis when I, when Ricky, cause Ricky had, 
you know, he had in the football world, you'd say he had like the, you know, the world by the balls. And for, you know, the fact that he was still wanted and most NFL players just want to be wanted enough to play another season to play another year and for him to just walk away and you almost had a admiration because everybody wants to stay in the league. I don't know if they want to stay in the league because of, you know, uh, because they absolutely, you know, can't live without football. Though most people are scared of being a regular person and not being in the league anymore because, you know, the whole thing that tell us is, you know, you die two, you know, football players die two times, right? They die when they're last day in the NFL and then they die when they die. And so th- that's the kind of thing that goes through your mind as, as, you, as the years start clicking on and for somebody just to walk away. And I think it's healthy to let players know that there's other, you know, there's, 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 there's a life after football. And I remember after I got done playing, I was like, man, I, I probably, you know, this isn't bad at all. You know I mean? This isn't bad at all. Life is great, you know, and you get to grow in so many more areas. So I never, I, I, I never, I never, I never looked down on, on anybody who, who smokes a lot of weed because it was basically, I mean, every Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Berkeley. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked to Tiki last week, Ricky, and there's some symbiosis there between you and Tiki and where you walked away from the game I think both of you were still near the top of your game and probably both could have, well, you both still should be in the Hall of Fame, but you, you walked away at similar times, albeit for different reasons. Well, there is a pregame, there is halftime, there is postgame. We've appreciated this conversation, Ricky. Hopefully we can smoke and do it in person, maybe in Vegas or maybe in California. It is Heisman.co. You can get it in California. Soon, soon, soon in it. Oregon, soon in Nevada. Soon in- and soon in Oregon and Nevada, but even if you can't get it, you can still get the gear on the website, right? Still get the gear. Yep. Yeah, yep. we got to talk, Ricky. I got to just, I got to, I got to, I'm, I'm in with some dispensaries in Jersey that might want to run some Heisman. So, yeah, let we're, me know. we've had we meetings. Talk. We, we got to meet in Vegas. Yeah, we, we've, we've had meetings with people in Jersey. Um, this, this is fun, you know, as we, as we move into each of the legal states. Uh, I'm I'm excited about about growing with this business. Thank you guys for having me. This was a, an amazing conversation. We enjoyed right, it, man. Can't wait for you guys to be out east in our dispensaries, but look forward to hanging out with you sometime in the near future. Heisman.co, and that is H-I-G-H-S, not like the trophy. Heisman. High like high. Co. Exactly. <laughs> high, high, high. Thank you, Ricky. <laughs>